With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to India on 99.94. I'm Sarah Waris and with me is Nikesh Rugani. And today we are going to talk about everything Indian women's cricket, the looking ahead to the T20 World Cup, the tri-series that was uh, held recently when India lost the finals. They went down in the finals, made 109 for four in the final, which uh, South Africa chased on very easily. Uh, no fight from there, uh, from them, which was disappointing to see. Obviously, there was no Shafali Verma, there was no Richa Ghosh. But uh, what stood out for me was the number of selection, the number of selection changes they made throughout the series, which was baffling to me. Uh, and the reliance on Mandana. Mandana had a quiet series, and it was just like without her. The, Especially in the final, the other batters just couldn't stand up. It, their intent was well below par, uh, making 109 in 20 overs and losing four wickets. You know, they underutilized their bat, batting. Um, Nikesh, how do you see India uh, ahead of the T20 World Cup? Uh, very short. How, what are their chances ahead of the T20 World Cup? Look, they'll be in the conversation. You know, you can't deny that. Runners-up uh, last time in the T20 World Cup. Didn't perform well in the 50-over World Cup, but then in, in 2020s, they've been doing a lot better, a lot more consistently, although they have been winning bilateral ODIs and, and the things like that um, as well. So throughout their white ball cricket, they've been performing consistently well, not quite well enough uh, for that championship status. Usually the Aussies are the ones in their way, like in the last final of, of the MCG, that famous final, um, the Commonwealth Games as well, just falling short to the Aussies once again, but you know, beating England and, and performing really well throughout that whole tournament as well. So they'll be in the conversation. They've got Shafali Verma returning. They've got Richard Ghosh returning as well from their victorious under-19 campaign as well. Um, so they might add a bit more steel and, and winning mentality because they've just won a World Cup. Um, so so they'll be on a on a real high, I think, going into that tournament. And um, they'll hopefully bring that air of confidence with them and, and that might spread around the team. The, the team itself might take sort of pride in, in the fact that an Indian women's team has just won an ICC World event. And there's no reason they, they shouldn't think that they can't do the same. So... Yes, you're right about the Tri-Series, disappointing end to it. But, you know, with, with all the sort of mixing and matching throughout the series with the team selection, I think part of that is just to give everybody some game time. And yes, winning a series going into a World Cup can be important, but I don't think it's the be-all and end-all. And I think it's more about what you find out about those fringe players and, and those sort of 50-50 selections that you might have within your thinking at the time as a captain and as a head coach. So hopefully they've they've sold a few of those things. And you're right, Smithy needs to be in form at the top of the order and then everything else seems to click into place. But I think 
Shafali alongside her. Mm. And I know Shafali didn't have a great under-19s World Cup, but she had a good one. And, and she was striking at like 196 yeah. through the tournament. So all it needs really is Smithy to play like she does. And she strikes pretty well anyway, Not maybe not quite near the 200 mark. But then if Shafali can get those real quick 20s and 30s at the top alongside a firing Smithy, then everything falls into place. Then you've got Jemmy or, or whoever comes in at number three. Um, they've got a bit more of, of a sort of, you know, license to take a couple of balls to get set. Um, Harman can come in and do what she does and, and it just kind of sets everything up nicely and then you've got Richard Gosh back in the middle order such an important player now for the senior side I mean it's it's amazing how quickly her rise has been in this side um, you know we were talking about is it Yastika Bhatia or Tanya Bhatia for so long mm. and then Richard Gosh comes in and says actually it's me and, and I'm an immovable object almost in this side now I'm so crucial to the way that we want to play in that middle order. I think Dipti, you know, again, you know, didn't fire with the bat that much of, of late and in this tri-series, but of late in the last 12 months, you'd say, she's found a new gear or two in her batting as well in that middle order. So I think it, it looks in decent shape. They look in decent shape and, and they'll be in that conversation going into that World Cup as well. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you spoke about Dipti because I have I filtered out these stats after her, uh, you know, the where she ran out the batter at the non-strikers end. So after that, her performances have just um, improved so much. Uh, after that, she scored in T20I's average of 38 with a strike rate of 145, which is way above her career strike rate. And she's picked up 28 wickets at an average of 12, which is, uh, she was the player of the series in this tri-series also. She was exceptional in the Asia Cup also. So is there a case for her to probably bat at number three? Because uh, right now, if I'm looking at down the order, it's like, the Puja Vastrakar played at number six uh, in the final of the tri series, and Puja Vastrakar has a strike rate of 120. Or, or, you know, Yastika Bhatia follows. She has a strike rate of 86. She might not play if Richa Ghosh returns. Um, and De- Devika Vedya also, strike rate of 88. Uh, yeah, so if so India have always been a very top heavy team, so why not make the uh, top four or five as promising as you can and throw up Dipti Sharma at number three. Rodrigues has been very underwhelming. She has a lot of promise, a lot of potential, but she has a strike rate um, of 112 which uh, with an average of 29, which is just not good enough. Haleen Diol has her good days, has a lot of uh, off days also, even in the final. She scored at a strike rate of 82, you know, uh, struck at uh, 82, 56 balls for 46. So uh, why not have, you know, Mandana there and then Shafali and probably uh, Dipti Sharma and Harman Pree, then Richa Ghosh to follow. So is that the way India should go? or Potentially, potentially. Although I get what you're saying. And it's, it's almost like... <laughs> It's, it kind of reminds me of, of a player in form at number six being moved up to number three. Always reminds me of Vivius Lakshman in, in the 2001 Border Gavaska Trophy where 
in that Eden Gardens test, you know, the whole series he was slated, he's going to be a number six for the series. And then all of a sudden, he's your man in form. Go and put him at number three and see what he does. And, and he gets that 281 and stuff and, and never really looks back for, for quite a period in time. They, they stuck with him at number three and put Dravid down at number six. And then they swapped them back, obviously. And, you know, he was coming in at five. So, I mean, it could happen. Um, but then are you losing something with Dipti? Because she has to bowl a lot of overs as well. She's going to bowl four overs in each game. She's going to be at the heart of the action um, with the ball. Do you want to overburden her by coming in at number three? Okay, it's, it's T20 cricket and it is only four overs. So it's not like she's doing it in a test match where she's having to bowl 25 overs and then come in at the top of the order. So it's slightly different, but she's been doing so well in that middle order as well. She's finally found what she's good at. She's striking well, 145, like you say, since that final at Lords, And it's it's just everything's clicked for her in that middle order. Do you want to mess it up by then putting her at number three and asking her to do something slightly different? Because even if you just say, yeah, just go out and play the same way, she won't. She's batting in a different position. Psychologically, you're going to think there's more responsibility on me now as, as a top order batter. So I don't know, will it mess her up? But then what is the solution? You're right, Harleen Deol was tried at number three, underwhelming. Jeremy Rodrigues, I think since the first season of the 100 where she was mm. magnificent, she's, her form's gone off a cliff really, um, which is such a shame because we saw a few flashes in the Commonwealth Games and stuff, but the strike rate's not great, like you say, and the runs just, just have completely dried up. So... Yeah, what do you do? Do you move Harmanpreet to number three, but then there's a bit of a hole there yeah. at number four? So there's a few questions over the top order, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what they go with. Definitely, yeah. And um, just one more uh, about the selections I was talking about. That that was another big surprise for me was, you know, they didn't play Anjali, the left armor. Uh, she played, I think, just one game in the tournament. Um, it's not that... Probably, you know, they were testing out other players or she was not uh, up the pecking order. Maybe they wanted to try out Shikha Pandey, who played only three games out of the five. Uh, but then she was brilliant uh, against Australia. She's a left-armer. She gets the ball into the right-hander. She can swing the ball both ways. And she just played one uh, one match while they were also. She wasn't given a longer run. Um Amanjot, who who had a very good start to the series, she isn't in the World Cup squad, so probably you know why she's not been uh, picked. Uh, but then the selections have overall, with the Indian cricket, they have overall been very mess, messed up, you can say. Uh, like S. Meghana, at the start of last year, she was, you know, creating waves and she was the next... Uh, big basher, you could say. And she is nowhere near the scene now. She didn't even uh, play during the uh, this series. So, uh, and India doesn't have uh, a head coach also right now. So, do you think all... Do, do you think they have a plan in place? Because they got in Shikha Pandey. She didn't after they gave her a call up after 2020-21. And she didn't pick up any wickets. Then they dropped her. Probably Anjali, who could have been a good replacement. She uh, played just one match in the series. So do you think they have a plan in place? Or is it just like, you know, 
our batters will do the job and then we have our spinners uh, the middle order and the bowling for me still continues to be a headache uh, one more thing is renuka singh she played two matches you know she's not an established player someone like a julian goswami you know you could uh, okay uh, you could drop her and try out the other players she's relatively new made her debut during the commonwealth games so it's not that uh, she is well established also she could have played all five games in the tournament and you could have tried her out in these uh, conditions south african conditions so do you think india made best use of their um, series in south africa yeah you you're right we, there are still a lot of question marks for the with the bowling and and based on that you could probably say they could have done a little bit more to get some of these bowlers in form and find out who their best bowling unit is and yeah, with Renuka Singh Thakur as well, it was strange to me that in the final, when you're defending such a low target and you've got your strike bowler at the at the top, you know, coming in to open the bowling, I think was she the only seamer in that game? I, th- I think she was, wasn't she? Was she the, the only seamer in the final? Yep, I think. I'm pretty yeah. sure she was. And she bowled one over up front and then she didn't bowl again till I think it was the 10th, 11th over, something like that. By that time, you know, you kind of know if you're going to be in with a chance of winning the game. And they weren't. But why wouldn't you use her at the top of the order? Because you saw what she did in the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, that's that's when she really sort of burst onto the scene and, you know, was taking wickets at the top of the order, causing a lot of problems at the top of the order in, you know, fairly similar conditions. I mean, it was it was skidding through. She was getting a bit of movement and... And that's kind of the assistance she she had in South Africa as well. So why not just, you know, I know winning the final isn't as important as winning the World Cup. Of course not. But, you know, surely you're there. You, you want to win. You want to go, you know, winning breeds winning, right? And, you know, you're going to take confidence from winning a tri-series into the World Cup more so than losing in the final, which, it, you know, was a disappointment, albeit not a massive one. So... I don't quite understand things like that and and hopefully it was just a bit of stupid experimenting which didn't quite work and and they won't do that when the tournament starts but who knows who knows I mean we've seen some strange things um, from the Indian women's team in recent times in terms of tactics so yeah let's see. One uh, correction there Pooja Vastrakar was a seamer in that match but she just bowled two overs right. she gave away that's eight. right yeah, yeah. She, again she, she gave yeah. away again they just went yeah. spin heavy yeah she bowled two overs and gave away 18 runs and uh 14 of which i think came in the last over so uh again these are south african conditions do you think that spin will be your spin is the way to go or I I personally would have wanted Anjali to have been given a rope in this series and Devika Vedya, you know, Shafali can bowl. She bowled one over in that match. Shafali has been bowling off late and she can probably bowl a few overs. So uh, I would not have Devika Vedya. They probably have Shikha Pandey because uh, you need that experience going in. She is She can hit the ball a bit also. So it's not that she's... Um, totally out of form or whatever and you give her a- and she's yeah she's got the experience yeah, as well yeah. Shika Pandey and, and she's I like her you know I like her energy she's got good energy on the pitch you know sort yeah. of breeds positivity whenever she comes into bowl so yeah in those conditions definitely definitely you need more options in that department and you know hopefully they'll they'll have realized that after this series and 
you know, hopefully it's not too late come the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Now we are going to take a break. And once we come back, we are going to talk about India's under 19 win and if that could have helped India, the senior team, as they move forward in the competition. I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of South Africa on 99.94 with Lungani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. We cover every part of the South African game on 99.94 and you can hear us several times a week where you find your podcasts or on YouTube. So India won the Under-19 World Cup. How much do you think that confidence, just that winning mentality is Shafali and Richa Ghosh? It was bizarre that they flew back from South Africa to Ahmedabad for one day for the felicitation. And now they flew back again to South Africa the very next day. Uh, That was a little bizarre to me. Uh, But they are coming in with that winning mentality. They have won the first ever ICC Women's World Cup for India. Um, Do you think the senior team is going to take inspiration from that? And, you know, Richa and Shofali both, uh, Richard didn't have the best of tournaments. She dropped a few catches also. Shofali was, um, she has been named in the ICC squad for uh, the tournament, uh, the ICC team of the tournament. Uh, how is that going to affect the Indian senior team? Yeah, ob- look, obviously it's a feel-good factor, isn't it, around Indian women's cricket at the moment. And winning an ICC tournament is is brilliant, especially when you've got two of those players who you know you've got in your squad for the senior T20 World Cup as well. So, yeah, of course it'll breed confidence. And look, if, if you are just listening to this and, and you didn't hear our episode um, a little while back, a few days back, we did do an entire episode on India winning the Under-19 World Cup as well. So go back and listen to that if you haven't done so already. And, uh, you know, we did make some of these points in there as well that, of course, it's going to breed confidence um, in this team. And I, I think, Shafali, like I mentioned, in the team of the tournament, debatable but you know as a captain and as somebody who struck at 196 strike rate through the tournament as well and and did get India off to flyers on on a few occasions um you know maybe justified given all that and and like I say that's kind of her role in this T20 Indian senior side as well just try and get India off to flying starts Smithy's the one who usually can bat through an innings or, or the majority of an innings at a good strike rate as well. But, you know, not quite as as gun-ho as Shafali. Shafali's role is, it's like the Virenda Sewag role, isn't it? Just see the ball, hit the ball and, and try and score as many as you can as quickly as you can. And sometimes that will turn into big scores as well. And And I think it will give her a lot of confidence about her own game, just the fact that she's led a side to winning a world trophy. She's still very young, of course, Um so she's got a long way to go. And I think this will help her mature as well because she's been a leader now of this uh, group that won that World Cup. And I think I think it's going to do nothing but but good things for her. And, and hopefully we see the results of that immediately. Um, and you're right about Richard Gosh. Look, it wasn't the best tournament. I mean, it was great that India won it without those mm. two sort of firing on all cylinders. And, and they had some plenty of other heroes as well. Um, so, you know, like Sadhu with the ball and um, Archana Devi with the ball, um, Sarawat at the top of the order scoring, you know, highest run score in the tournament with 297. So 
lots of other good performers, which was heartening to see. But Richard Gosh, I don't think she'll be too disheartened with the way things went. She's a world champion at the end of the day. She did contribute in some way. It's not as if she did absolutely nothing for the tournament. But yeah, she needs to improve on, on her wicketkeeping a little bit and just maybe relax a bit more. She's sometimes quite tense when she's going for mm. the ball and sort of snapping towards the ball and just just let everything flow and she needs to find her, her flowing movements behind the stumps I think um, just to relax a bit more and um, that will just help her rhythm in terms of catching the ball as well but again you know both of them so young and um, they know what winning on the world stage feels like now um, so uh, as Shafali said in that post-match interview um, when she was asked is this the only trophy that you're going to be bringing home in the near future and she said hopefully not in fact, I think she said no, yeah. a definite no. This is not going to be the only trophy. We're going to go. She she didn't say we'll try. She said we're going to win the the bigger one as well. So you know that that yeah. shows you the confidence of somebody like a Shefali Verma. Can they get over the line? Just one sentence, yes or no? Can they win the women's senior T Twenty World Cup? Possibly. There's one word. <laughs> I am not as optimistic as you. Probably you can... They have a lot of uh, issues in their middle order. It's as we've spoken who, about... Yeah, but who, who, are they, who are they... Apart from Australia... Yeah. And if, if they can avoid Australia en route to the final, who's going to stop them? Probably England. England are a good team. Possibly. Yeah. England are a very strong side, but mm-hmm. India have beaten England in England. Uh, yeah. With, with those problems. Yeah, uh, it's just those that that mental mental issues and you know just just the pressure, the burden of pressure getting to them. I think that is what is again going to be their biggest challenge. And uh, we've spoken about this so many times. It's just that there is a hole in their middle order. It's not if the top two or three are out. And we did speak about Dipti Sharma possibly batting up the order. Uh, Maybe that might not be the best step. I know I only floated the question, but because if the top two or three are out, then the middle order is just like, there's probably no one there in the middle order. Uh, it'll be too inexperienced. Uh, Richa Ghosh, we have a lot of expectations, but she's too young. She's still a teenager, not played a lot at this stage. So uh, that is my biggest issue, you know, and the dependence of, on spin. What if the wicket is not as spin friendly uh, I think this happened during the 2018 uh, T20 World Cup also India were playing in well, West Indies and the, most of the league games were on slower pitches so the spinners had a lot of help and when they moved to the semi-final, which was at a different venue, the spinners didn't get a lot of help. And because the bowl, uh, faster bowlers had been underbowled throughout the tournament, so, you know, they never turned up. And it was the match where Mithali Raj, it was Mithali Raj, the whole controversy around Mithali Raj, I think she was, yeah, she didn't play that semi-final. So there was a lot of controversy around that semi-final and everything. Uh, I am scared that, you know, something like that could happen because India used their spinners so much and probably overutilized their spinners that uh, when the wicket is not as helpful, then you're like, okay, our seamers are underbold, which is exactly what happened in the Tri-Series final also. You know, Renuka Singh and Pujarava Stakar combined to bowl just five overs. So um, that is one of my biggest fears um, 
for India and I'm not as optimistic because of that reason. But apart from England, right, say England turn up and play their best cricket, then that's going to be a difficult game. If, But even then, I think you go toe-to-toe with England and there's a lot of hype around the England women's team mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, well, there always has been and, and for a reason because they have been very successful. Um, you know, World Cup winners, 50 over World Cup winners, beating India in that final in 17. And, and they've always been there or thereabouts. But India beat them in the bilaterals. They beat them in the Commonwealth Games semi-final as well. Say England turn up and have a good day and India have a below-par day, that could happen. But who else? Who else is there? I mean, South Africa have got their own problems. I mean, there's a lot of controversy mm-hmm. about Dane Van Niekerk being left out and you know, by because she failed a fitness test, and you know, it seems ridiculous to me because she's the best leader that they've got, and, and such an experienced cricketer, and just just a brilliant cricket brain. Um, her wife's obviously in the team, and and has taken a bit of time off from preparation for the tournament to be at home and sort of mourn with her almost about not being. You know, it's, a, it's all kicking off. The, the, that's not the the ideal prep for a World Cup, and. Mm-hmm. You've got to feel for somebody like Van Niekerk who's coming back from injury. But, you know, th- those would be their probably two biggest stars. And I know they've got other decent, talented players and they beat India in this tri-series and, and we saw uh, all that talent on offer as well. But they don't have any anyone who should strike fear into the Indian team if they're playing at their best. West Indies, again, they've got one or two individuals. Mm, yeah. But... That's about, you know, maybe three or four, you could say, but, you know, just individuals as a team, they're not really superly consistent. And who else is there? New Zealand sometimes compete. They've got, again, one or two players who who could be considered world-class in the women's game, but no more than that, really. So I think think you're overhyping everyone else. I think you're overhyping. India will, they'll definitely get to the semis, Hmm. definitely. And then it's anyone's game, isn't it? Semis are a bit of a who turns up on the day kind of job. And, you know, they, they could get knocked out, they could get through. So I, I think they'll do well. One thing, uh, while you were giving all these points, I just thought of one thing, is the lack of competition somehow hampering India's growth, you know, not growth, but uh, high allowing India to hide their flaws. I think that's framing it better. Uh you know, they've reached the Cornwell Games final and all these other tournaments. They've had a good run. Um, is the lack of competition somehow, you know, proving to India, yeah, okay, we have our middle-order issues, but that's okay. You know, we consistently do well in these uh, ICC events. So it's not really a big issue. So do you think... Um, India is a strong team on its own or do you think they do that well because the other teams are probably, as you said, you know, I overhype the other team. So uh, is it because India is strong or is it because the other teams are not as much of a competition um, to the Indian team like Australia or England? I think the fact that Australia is so good makes us think that India and England should be as good because that's what happens in the men's game. Mm. And I just think this Aussie side is on a different planet, really. And when they're playing at their best, they're unbeatable, as we've seen. But India do compete against yeah. them. So whether you got you think you've got problems or not, you might have problems in comparison to somebody like an Australian. That's that I think that's a good thing that we consider 
India to have this many problems in the women's side, because I don't think they have as many problems as we're probably saying, but we're comparing them to the Australians, aren't we? That's that's mm. the benchmark. If you look at them against any other side in the world, they don't really have any problems, I don't think. Toe to toe, they could compete with anyone and beat anyone on their day. Um, and, and they've even you know, shown against Australia that they can compete and, and they can get themselves into winning positions and occasionally beat the Australians as well. They're not as regularly as they probably should, given the chances they've had in recent times and, and even going back a few years. Um, so they're nearly there. They're nearly there. They are nearly... It's just... Look, the standard in women's international cricket isn't the same as men's cricket, as in there's not, you know, four or five really strong teams. Whereas in men's cricket, Australia is strong, India is strong, England is strong. Then you've got, you know, the West Indies in white ball cricket were strong for such a long period of time. Pakistan are always strong in, in these tournaments. New Zealand are always strong. Sri Lanka can cause an upset or two as well, as we saw in the Asia Cup. So there's... And even Bangladesh, you know, yeah, in ICC tournaments, they've not quite found their feet yet. But in bilaterals, they they can beat anyone at home. Mm. So and they have beaten anyone. They've beaten India at home recently. So there there are there's a bigger talent pool, a much bigger talent pool in terms of the the, the spread of uh, talent in in men's cricket, and it's it's on a much level more level playing field. I think women's cricket will get there, but it's a it's a it's a newer thing on the international stage. So, you know, hopefully we just continue to see investment like we are with the WPL and, and that improves the standard of not only Indian women's cricket, but just women's international cricket in general as well and, and gives these players an opportunity to get up to that Australian level. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And um, you spoke about the WPL. We'll talk more about that um, after this break. Hi, I'm Mark Machado, broadcaster and Sri Lankan cricket fan. Every week, Estelle Vazu, Devon and myself will drop several episodes of Sri Lanka on 99.94, keeping you up to date on the latest for the Sri Lankan cricketing world. If you want to know what Hasaranga is up to, where Chabri Athapattu scored her runs, or what Naroshan Dickweller has been discussing behind the stumps, then make sure to watch or listen to Sri Lanka on 99.94. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on the 99. 9.94 app. Join the Shrunken Crooked Conversation and get involved. So, uh, according to reports, the WPL is expected to start in the first week of um, March with Ambani's team and Adani's team facing off against each other. I, I don't know why that is being so overhyped, but you know, it's all over the news. Ambani versus Adani, probably because of all that Adani have everything that's going on with Adani and all that. Um, do you think it's going to distract the Indian women's team or the not only the Indian women's team, the cricketers on a whole, you know, with the WPL coming up? And we've seen in the past that the recency bias is a lot in the men's IPL also when the auction is held. You know, players who've done just uh, well just before the auctions, they go for a huge, uh, go for huge sums. Do you think that's going to be a distraction for the players? And um, one more thing, I don't... Uh, probably you've seen the chatter about women's IPL and how that there is the other side which is talking about how WPL could not... could be the death of international cricket. Um, like, uh, people are talking about that, that they are going to get a lot of money and people won't be interested in international cricket anymore, which I think 
doesn't really make sense because WPL is going to go on for two or three weeks a year. So uh, why won't players play in the WPL, uh, play for international cricket? So, yeah. Do you th- yeah, I mean, th- those are the kind of problems which face the men's game when the IPL was launched. IPL has always been longer than two or three weeks and, you know, mm-hmm. usually at least five or six weeks, um, even at the very start. So, yeah, look, the, it, it happened with the West Indies team, didn't it, mm-hmm. in the men's team, when they started getting all this big money playing in the IPL and then these other franchise leagues launched around the world and they weren't really getting paid well by the West Indies cricket board and they decided that they're not going to take up central contracts and for that reason they weren't selected for a lot of cricket, they weren't available for a lot of cricket uh, in between ICC tournaments and then they used to turn up at the the T20 World Cups and things like that, they won a couple of them as well. Um, So it's kind of, it was a bit of a mess, West Indies cricket. It happened to, you know, a few individual players from other nations as well where they thought, I can just make a living off this. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen in the women's game because I don't think women's international cricket is quite in the same position as as men's international cricket at that time. Um, I think playing for your nation will always come first, but this is this is a nice way for them. You know, let's face it. First and foremost, I think to to earn proper money, mm. to earn decent money. It's not the same as the men still, but it will get better. As the years go on, the the pots are going to increase um, in terms of what teams can spend on uh, on players to make up their squad. Um, so that purse will increase as well, and as a result, players will be getting paid more. Hopefully, um, they can earn money. They can improve their standard as well by playing against the best, because all the Aussies are going to come over. A lot of the English few South Africans, West Indians, you know, Sri Lankans, whatever, thrown in there, New Zealanders, and and the best that India's got to offer as well. They're going to be playing on a big stage, hopefully in front of busy, packed stadiums. It's going to be all over the television. It's going to be marketed well, we think. Um, and and it's, it's a BCCI product, so it's going to have all that razzmatazz as well. So, of course, they want to come and play in it. But it's a lot easier as well with the women's calendar to have a window. There's no other major, you know, huge global women's tournament like this because you've got the 100, yeah, but they can't always attract the best players across men's and women's just because of the time of year it's at and, you know, some national teams are playing and, and all that kind of stuff. I think they'll make sure that they have a window for this every year in the women's calendar, three weeks or whatever it is. There'll be no international cricket and they they can all just come and play in this and, and everyone will be available. So I, I think it's a lot easier with the way the women's calendar is. That might change in years to come, but at the moment, I think for the next few years, they'll be okay. And um, yeah, this is just a, a nice little addition to the international calendar. Definitely. And do you think this is going to distract the players? In terms of just having something else to focus on and just, you know, through the World uh, Cup. Yeah, it's like something big, possibly the World Cup is the bigger thing. But, you know, there is more at stake. It's not just a trophy. Uh, I could be earning more money than I've earned in years in one single tournament. So uh, will that could uh, pep up the players to do better also. But it could be a distraction for a lot of players also. Probably they've never played in this kind of a, um, you know, atmosphere before where something bigger is at stake for them than the World Cup. It's not just international cricket now and possibly 
doing well in the WPL is going could earn them deals in the other leagues also and in the future you never know there could be other leagues coming up because uh, the two richest Indians they have invested in uh, women's teams and they could be well in you know having a ILT20 women's championship or something like that and with the Indian players probably the BCCI is going to give them NOC I don't know if later they change their mind because they are allowed to play right now in the 100 and the BBL so you know it could go on to get bigger and there could be more leagues coming up so there could be a lot more at stake so do you think uh, you know the likes of Richa Ghosh's and the youngsters you think they're going to be like wow just get distracted by what awaits them yeah, I mean, especially the younger ones, it, it could happen. I mean, somebody like Smriti and Harman and, and these players and, and Dipti Sharma, they, they know they're going to be picked. They know they're going to make decent money. They're going to be... So they don't need to worry about it, really. There might be that additional pressure of, of having to perform well to justify that they're in that position of, of being one of the big money makers as well. And, and that could be... The case for a lot of players around the world as well and, and there will be certainly players I think playing for selection during this <laughs> World Cup you know you might have players from from countries who don't get paid that well and you know there, there's quite a lot of them in in the women's game um, so you know they they will be desperate to perform really well to put themselves in the shop window ahead of that um, auction we haven't got any details of the auction yet um, we don't know if they're going to have icon players like they had in the first season of the IPL. So whether the likes of Smithy and Harman and, and these players will just be given to a particular franchise and signed at a particular fee, which will be in line with their highest paid player. Or what, I, we just don't know. We've, I mean, that's the only frustrating thing about yeah. this WPL. It's all very last minute. It's all very BCCI. I mean, you talked earlier, by the way, about you know when, when we spoke on the earlier episode, last time about the Border Gavaska Trophy, tickets are mm. already on sale. Yeah. This is like less than a week before the first <laughs> test. So, you know, already, I mean, in England, tickets go on sale like nine months before and, and they're usually sold out for the first three days in most places for test matches, depending on, you know, if it's India or, or Australia or someone, they'll just sell out or Pakistan even, they'll, they'll sell out in the first two, the first two, three days will be gone from nine months before. So hmm. that's one thing I don't like about the BCC. Everything is last minute. This was um, So we don't yeah. know. This we was don't know about the auction. Early. They put up the tickets, uh, tickets on sale early. Usually it's just two or three days before. And the cup pick up Which from the stu- counter. How do people prepare for it? How do people... Because don't people want to travel to watch these, you know... Pick up from stupid. the counter is even more frustrating because you can only pick up tickets from the counters a day before the match. And... So you can't get e-tickets. You can get, but there are people obviously who might not. uh, Tickets might be sold online, so you go and pick it up from the stadiums, uh, from the counters, because there are a lot more tickets available there, and uh, it's just a mess. Their tickets are sold in black. I thought every. I thought everyone in India would would you know just get the tickets on their smartphone even just 20 even like f- 10 or 20 percent yeah. of the tickets are sold online by the bcci so you know the rest of it you have uh, to go that's the problem yeah isn't it's it? uh, and then there's this whole queue before the ma- uh, there's a stampede there is the uh, there was this incident in hyderabad before one of the matches where there was this whole stampede because the 
it was so crazy people had just thrown the counters for tickets there was one counter uh, giving the tickets tickets are sold in black and yeah it's a whole mess uh, just hope the women's ipl is properly organized and yeah hopefully no need for policemen with lattes and stuff yeah. just beating people up for for you know trying to bombard the ticket office and stuff um but yeah look it's, it seems all very last minute um, so we don't know how the auction is going to work. Maybe they should have had the auction before the World Cup, you know, yeah. but they've just, it's, everything's been so last minute with, you know, even selling the franchises that it's, it just probably wasn't possible. So they might well have it within the first week of the World Cup. It would just be arranged and the players won't be able to be there, but they'll have their agents and, and management, I'm sure, across everything for them. Um, they've all registered that deadline's passed um so let's see let's see but hopefully it'll be a big success and uh hopefully it doesn't distract from from india winning the the t20 world cup which they've got a good chance i think of doing hopefully they do that yeah uh that's all we have on this show please drop in your comments and uh, your feedback we'll be waiting to hear them um thank you and goodbye Thanks for listening to India on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Nikesh Raghani and at Swaris16. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket every day, your way. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!